ंगडक्टिव uh for a chance for a change and i use those words very pointedly manvi and you know why and you're going to tell our audience now yeah so i mean i don't know whether everybody else or any other people who've been listening to us have also been facing the same kind of pressures to be uh productive in a pandemic i mean i know that every other person has this uh, ig post that they keep sharing on their stories about it's okay to not be so productive in a pandemic and things like that but what's increasingly happening is that as just that just like the pandemic becomes more of a permanent situation we are also sort of now trying to figure out our lives about saying that oh this is not temporary and so in that framework what does productivity look like do we really need to hustle as much as we are hustling uh has work from home completely screwed up uh, any semblance of mental health that we've ever had so to talk a little bit about uh these things uh i have with uh, me pratiksha tiwari who uh, of course is a counseling therapist she works in delhi and apart from that all of that is also a good friend of mine and a fellow over smart woman i think we should form a club called over smart women club and pratiksha and shivani and i are already there in the club and pratiksha is also someone we consider we consider a part of that club right pratiksha thank you so much manvi i am very honored to be a part of the club and what are what have you before we get on to talking to you about some real stuff in terms of uh, talking from your experience about mental health especially right now what have your experiences been like being an over smart girl like has has anyone ever called you that and you've been like so what i think for me it's been more about how much i talk um it's not necessarily i've never been pegged as a very intelligent or a very intellectual person as such but i do tend to speak whatever's on my mind and i think that does get me um tagged up as over smart or somebody who doesn't know when to shut up and it's taken me quite some time to get over it mm-hmm. now that'll give you a that'll give you a lifetime membership to the over smart girls club i think you know stamped <laughs> on the back over smart because she talks <laughs> yeah relatable we relate yeah i think part of the reason why shivani and i started this podcast in the first place was because we were told we talk too much so we said let's do something that everybody who talks too much does and let's start a, a podcast. podcast right so pratiksha before we sort of ask you a little bit about uh, all of our doubts about mental health about being burnt out about feeling like we're constantly exhausted Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing and how your experience has been? So I work as a psychotherapist here in Delhi at an organization called Hankton Institute. I trained as a counseling psychologist at TISS Mumbai, and then I did a couple of. I worked in two other places before I finally figured out that I wanted to do something very specific to mental health, and I've been with them for about two years. So I've been a practicing psychotherapist for two years now. 
So, Pratiksha, tell us a little bit. I mean, as people also, we've also been finding ways to sort of deal with uh, the pandemic and we don't have to deal with it professionally as such, but you do. So, what has it has been like, what has been your personal experience uh, in trying to be a therapist right now? I think one of the most, uh, most trying things in this time has been moving online with the work. So, moving to teletherapy. Right. And... People have always done work online. It's not like therapy hasn't happened online before, but it's not always been the most traditional way of doing things, I think. And uh, there were a lot of complications associated with working online. And like we were talking um, off record about what it's like to be in a third world country (laughs) and have internet go in and out. When you do therapy in a setting like that, it becomes a very difficult space to operate because... As a therapist, when I meet my patients in a physical space, I can control the space a lot to provide a safe environment. But working online also means that the people I'm working with need physical space to shut down a room and sit by themselves for an hour so that they can very freely talk to me or have stable internet connection and they can't be in spaces where I can't hear you anymore, I can't yeah. see you anymore keeps happening every 15 minutes. Right. So I think that is one of the things that we've, we're still making a lot of changes and trying our best to adjust to it. And of course, a lot of um, themes have come up in therapy over and over again with respect to people's anxieties about being sick, their loved ones being sick, um, having to manage work from their houses, having to manage living with their families if they've been living away. Right. So, but the fact that, because I was reading somewhere that the fact that this pandemic is happening and that all of a sudden this very new normal, as they say, even though I hate that phrase, this new normal is something that we are now forced to adjust to. So, do you think it has also, in that sense, caused a little bit of a collective uh, issue for so many people? Yeah, Shivani, you were saying? And I mean, I also wonder if... Uh sort of just the fact that this is our environment now, whether that's also created a fertile field for this conversation around mental health to sort of really take off because now everyone's at a baseline where I, do, I don't think that anybody's at ease anymore, right? With just everything that's going on, regardless yeah. of where you are and what your socioeconomic status or your uh, sort of just who you are and what part of the world you're in. I mean, unless you're uh, sort of one of the astronauts on Mars, I guess, there aren't any. (laughs) I'm rambling, no. So the point is that uh, I wonder if just the fact that everything is so chaotic, has that in any way sort of propelled this conversation around mental health forward? I know that the referrals to mental health professionals have gone up. More people have started seeking help out. And you're right that in the shared experience of a pandemic, everybody has found something that they might want to look at. But what has also helped is that mental health services in the country are not usually as accessible. And like I said, if I have to meet people in person, Mm -hmm. they have to figure out whether I am in the same area as them, whether they can meet me on a certain day at a certain time. And all of those things. And I think being online has suddenly opened up that venue that in between work, if I can take out an hour to do therapy, that is an option all of a sudden because it's just that one hour. It's not the one hour travel or trying to figure out which therapist, which city is available. 
Right. But I was wondering, Prati, that apart from these very, uh, apart from the fact that more and more people are seeking out therapy, there is also now increasingly people are trying to sort of in their personal lives also create space for themselves. Because now everybody is working from home. So now they know that, I mean, now at least they're understanding that their work-life boundary is something that they want to uh-huh. sort of talk about. Or like you keep seeing some influencers, social media influencers, or just generally friends also, being like right now i don't want to talk to you simply because i'm not at that space right now and because we are going through a lot so do you think like maybe that sort of conversation at least in because it has happened with me and my friends shivani have you also seen that both of you have you seen that happen i have been that friend that has just taken days off of social media and not answered any calls or any messages and i do think personally i think it's been sort of like you know this is where we are if i don't look after myself now and i don't assert myself now uh then there's not going to be another turning point most likely so i've just been i mean i don't know how good this is whether this is good practice this huge sort of personality reboot <laughs> but that's where i have been i think and it is largely because you know a i'm physically distant from you so yeah. i uh, can afford to uh sort of distance myself uh, because there's no my brain might be really full but physically there a lot of the demands that were being put on me aren't there anymore because I'm locked up in my house uh, so yeah for me definitely I have been that friend who's become very clear now about what my boundaries are when I need time out and how to make you think this, this has been happening you're very lucky Shivani that you've been able to figure out those boundaries because I know that in therapy right now i think that is what i'm seeing people struggle with the most and if i just don't look at the people i see in therapy even as a th- as a mental health professional who is used mm-hmm. to having a lot of boundaries around her i think being at home and figuring out how to work in a manner that helps me protect the boundaries of my work while still being available for my family has been the biggest oh, yeah. struggle so right. far because mm-hmm. I am privileged enough to have enough space in the house but I think it's not just about spatial boundary it's also about my emotional availability at the end of the day because uh we are all working a lot more so I see people saying that work from home is basically just that you can't get away from work anymore because <laughs> you're always shit. at work yeah yeah yeah, you're I not s- working from home anymore. You're living at work, basically. Yeah, I saw a meme. And your bosses s- will be like... <laughs> I saw a meme that said, work from home is work 24-7. <laughs> and it almost feels like that to a lot of people. And in that scenario, I completely agree, Shivani, that I have also been the friend who has told people that, I'm sorry, I need like a couple of days off. I cannot check in on people anymore. And I cannot just hang out on video calls. And be on phone calls or even reply to texts mm. which is very normal otherwise because I think um, it's about how much you can take and I think there has been this incessant pressure that now we all have more time and we are all socially right. and physically distancing so we need to stay connected and that has created this whole mm. uh, you know this whole fancy of how I can call any of my friends at any point of time and everybody will hang out together and it was fun the first month I think and then it really started hitting people that you cannot keep doing that yeah for in in the first month everybody was like doing video calls with old school friends they haven't seen in years and, and now and now people are just like don't talk to me 
Yeah, I think they, and like house party was a thing. People were getting <laughs> together and playing games. I think though we reached that saturation point, and I think the point you make is very valid. That one huge reason for that is that really our screens became our yeah. worlds, right? Like the alternative to our interactions in person became our screens, and after a while, there's only. Like yeah, really can get done with screen time yeah. very quickly. Like I had a moment today when I was uh, because obviously I work from home and I was just staring at the screen for like some eight hours straight, and then apart from that, also I was chatting with my friends, and then mm-hmm. I felt like I had just I, I literally got to a point where I was like, this is too much screen time, so I left my phone at home, and then I decided to go for a walk. Simply because I just felt it was a little too much. But Pratia, I also wanted to ask in the sense that a lot of people are also saying that at this time. uh connect with your friends and uh you know may use this time to truly like sort of bond uh, with people so basically there's all sorts of sort of advice floating around about the best ways to take care of yourself in that sense so is there like some like a commandment or is there some like five things or a thumb rule that that you'd sort of suggest yeah is there a right yeah. way of taking care of yourself <laughs> please tell us cuz youtube won't and yeah. internet won't i i want to be able to say i know what the magic five points are but i don't <laughs> but i can try <laughs> right. and i think uh, one of the most important thing to realize is that a pandemic like this is extremely isolating in some ways right. we are not used to being stuck in one place for so long our routines actually offer us a lot of structure that helps us get away from one situation focus on something else and then come back to it so whether it's work whether it's your social circle whether it's your friends whether it's time for yourself all of those things could be separated at one point of time and one way of looking after yourself now can be to try and at least put down those structures back in right. a different way right so if you are going to be talking to your friends you don't have to you have to make it okay to say i'm working through the week and it's a little busy for me but i will catch you up uh, catch up with you in the on the weekend right or telling your family that okay um 9 to 6 i am not available i don't care if you know i'm sitting in the next room but i am not available to suddenly answer ki aaj lunch mein kya banega <laughs> उट so something might work for a particular point of time and when it stops working it's okay to stop doing it so for people who are really missing out on the socializing might want to stay in touch with their friends a lot more but if suddenly somebody who's very social feels like you cannot deal with more video calls and group calls and you just want to maybe text one or two friends and take a break from everything else that is okay yeah yeah because you have to decide your own pace right. of how to make things work and i think one of another thing is which is a very difficult thing to do is to set up structures around time right ah, and yeah. i think this is this is more on the workplace and people in managerial positions rather than people who work themselves that you have to stop calling people at 8 o'clock at night just because you know you need to get something mm-hmm. done yeah. if your industry has not worked like that ever and i know a lot of industries work on this principle <laughs> that no this has to go out tomorrow yeah 
if you yeah. are an organization that can avoid it please do because people are obviously still sitting yeah. five minutes away from their work systems maybe but that kind of pressure isn't fair at a time when the economy is falling apart and everybody's scared of losing <laughs> yeah their job. like in fact that was going to be my next question because even if you do sort of set your boundaries you have your routines you're getting up you're working out you're uh, sort of switching off exactly or at least trying to switch off exactly when your work finishes but even after that there is increasingly at least what i'm observing in my friends as well as myself this feeling of uh, dread because so much of what you know or what you thought to be certain is now no longer so i mean not just the pandemic the fact that people are losing their jobs the fact that you keep hearing about rising cases there is something called doom scrolling that now all of us uh, indulge in mm-hmm. so in terms of how are you sort of dealing with that shivani what about you how are you dealing with that existential dread or is that a question that's too heavy for this podcast <laughs> i mean i <laughs> i uh, i exercise mostly i found that so on days when i'm not doing any physical activity i'm extremely unhappy and irritable um uh, and i've sort of fall into this spiral where everything becomes like worst case scenario but then i found that for me just exercising has really helped so i don't do too much i i either just do some some days it's really simple i just do some yoga and i just keep my body moving other days i go a little bit hardcore but that's helped you asked for a very nice <laughs> and hey you yeah that it. makes sense uh yeah so for me i've definitely found a good outlet Uh, but yeah it hasn't been as easy as i would like but we're still here yeah. and i'm happy about what that. about you yeah prati how is the therapist dealing with existential dread P- personal existential dread existential dread i think for me unfortunately i know that mm. my work is going really well in the sense that i know people are right. now finding time and finding value in seeking out therapy either as something to help them manage their crisis or for people not having crises just to take a time to invest in their mental growth right. mm-hmm. or their growth as how they're perceiving things so unfortunately that is working out <laughs> um but i know that even that sometimes really gets to me because i used to love going out i am not somebody who's at home a lot yeah. Yeah. and i am making do with that by reading actually because that was something that i completely gave up on right and now my bookshelf is always <laughs> staring me in the face so after like two episodes on netflix i'm like maybe i'll read 10 pages and that's sort of worked out for yeah. me and another thing that i've been trying to take up is that i have actually just deep dived into a lot of writing Ooh, and journaling that's nice nice so that has helped a little and of course i still try to take out time to hang out with my work friends after like in between sessions so after a zoom meeting ends we leave rooms open and we just sit and chat and bitch about how much coffee we drank <laughs> that day um yeah or how much are or, or how much work we have to do in between our sessions like we've literally had meetings where somebody's announced listen i need to just quickly go switch off the pressure cooker and come back and we've had to normalize a lot of that yeah same 
Yeah. I think we're all living very parallel lives in that sense. Like these are yeah. very familiar themes. Yeah, yeah like I wonder if uh, we're really just in this in just alternate universes. Yeah. Living no, like personally lives. for me, uh, what Prati said, like reading is I think one thing that has really anchored me. Also because I'm someone who doesn't like. I mean, I it's not that I don't enjoy like a good Netflix binge, but I feel a lot more satisfied when I read somehow. So usually I try and get some reading done before bed, and that sort of feels a little bit of a some some sort of routine. and then of course writing and then i feel other things that have also that i have tried to consciously do is to sort of keep myself busy because i mean one is that you're doing work so that you're obviously keeping yourself busy in but apart from that trying to do other things that uh, sort of also make you happy while at the same time keeping you busy like this podcast for instance where in true pandemic where in true pandemic oh, faction yeah. we have decided that example. we will be a podcast group so but i don't think that we can sort of uh, let you go without asking you this one question that almost everybody who's uh, written on or is associated with mental health is is talking about right now and that is about how the Sushant Singh Rajput uh, death and then the subsequent conversation around it as someone who is a part of the mental health uh, is someone who's a part of the mental health field how do you think like what is your sense how do you think that that incident and then that conversation do you think it has had an impact do you think in terms of the discourse uh, it has had an impact Hi there this is Shivani just interrupting to say that the next couple of minutes discuss uh, Sushant Singh Rajput and the media's abysmal treatment of mental health if that's something that you're not okay listening to that's perfectly fine and just skip the next 3 minutes and pick up from there bye it definitely has and unfortunately it has happened in a way that has made things very difficult for people who've already been having crises or have been managing with these things because um I was of course I was very shaken when I read the news and you would think that in my profession it doesn't hit you but it does still every time right. I read about somebody taking their life it still puts me in a place where I start thinking about systemic structures that can be supportive otherwise and all of those questions um I know that with the pandemic people did start losing out on a lot of things that kept them going and so many people with mental health have especially struggled because when routines are taken away routines are sometimes very helpful with keeping you grounded keeping you distracted and all of that was suddenly gone right and when the news broke when right. the news broke i think the way it was approached and what it has turned into has completely taken away from the discourse um, and i think something that made me really angry and this is a personal stance but the way media decided to talk about how they could see or not see that he was depressed yeah. or not depressed was something that took away from so many people's experiences who are actually very high functioning and who will work very hard to look okay when they're actually struggling a lot and it's almost like an erasure of their difficulties when you say somebody you can look at his picture and he does not look depressed um and i think something like that also brings up space to do more awareness work or space to start opening up conversations so i have seen therapists come out very vehemently trying to get the media to take a more accountable stance on how they write about people dying of suicide or people taking their lives or just uh, speaking about awareness around how can people who feel suicidal or people who have thoughts about taking their lives can be supported through these things right and uh, i i know that it's it's mostly blown up into this 
what looks like a circus almost but i also know that a small niche of people has really used that opportunity to go out and start reaching out for help we right. had a lot more people and influencers talking about mental health and that has somehow opened like small windows of hope as well yeah yeah i guess i think you were seeing uh, the silver lining basically in a very dark cloud very which dark I must cloud appreciate yeah. you for <laughs> i think you have to i think in a pandemic i think in a situation like this you have to one of the things that when people ask me what to do is i tell them that you have to force yourself to take a middle ground so you might hear a lot of bad news and you might read a lot of bad news and if that makes you too anxious don't read the news for a couple of days i'm not saying that you should pretend the pandemic doesn't exist and we are not at risk right you should be very well aware from good reliable sources <laughs> about how vulnerable you are and how much you can do to protect yourself if something goes wrong right and what you said about doomsday scrolling the reason all the activities i've tried to indulge in are non screen related is this because bad right. news is just one tap away yeah and then it doesn't stop and half the time it's not even asked for right it's like your phone will throw a push notification at you or you'd be scrolling through uh, an instagram feed and suddenly there's a sponsored article that's just a storm <laughs> and uh, yeah it's it's difficult to get away i guess the only option is to leave it for a bit yeah come back to it once you're ready mm. yeah so finally pratiksha then uh, if you were to sort of say or hope that there's one thing that people understand about mental health and taking care of themselves whether in the pandemic or otherwise but because it seems like we'll be in this pandemic for a while or uh, let's talk about like right now <laughs> yeah so what would be that one thing that you hope that people have a much better understanding of when it comes to mental health mental health is not something that exists as i'm okay and i'm not okay i think mental health is a spectrum and sometimes people who might be perfectly fine otherwise or not been mm-hmm. or, or not having a difficult time things change and things can change sometimes very rapidly so i think one thing that i hope people will be more open to is being more aware of their own needs in terms of how much emotional support they need or they can offer and gauging that and taking some sort of you know a check in once in a while with yourself about i've been doing okay so far but is there anything else that i might need help with if i'm not doing okay on a certain day and allowing yourself to say that okay i need to maybe take some time off or i need to take some help it might be something really small so nobody is asking you to do 3 years of intensive psychoanalysis right away but if it's something right. small it doesn't mental health doesn't necessarily have to just belong with professionals you can go to support circles you can speak to supportive friends you can decide how much help you need but to just be open to the idea that mental health exists on a spectrum and it varies a lot from time to time and you can allow yourself to not be productive and not be okay once in a while no i think that's very helpful and it's very uh, usable advice and the the great thing about it is that the way you say it it's like you yourself have control and it's really up to you and the decisions that you make so it also alludes to the fact that a obviously when it's completely okay to seek professional help and to get to that point where you feel like you as a person would like to take that uh, but also it's just uh, really helpful i think to know that you can also consciously 
take steps to make things better or to address things effectively and proactively yeah. and yeah. that gives you an agency that i think a lot of us forget about i do i know i forget uh, quite often when i'm stuck at home and it's been a while and i haven't been outdoors you i do tend to forget that actually i have the option to spin this a certain way or to focus on something else it it's very difficult sometimes sure yeah. but ultimately i still have control to make those decisions and you know that's that's the silver lining that we were talking about exactly yeah i think i completely agree with both of you i think if there's one thing that i have also long learned thanks to the pandemic is to sort of be a little bit more aware about what i'm thinking and just generally about my right. mental health and catch it when i feel Still that oh i need to sort of give myself that break and sort of give myself that break when i feel that things are getting a little too much so thanks so much pratiksha for coming uh, onto our podcast we had a great time and i my pleasure and i hope you did too <laughs> and if you're listening to us and if you feel that uh, you also want to come onto this podcast or if you also feel that there is a topic that you'd like us to discuss you can always uh, email us our email id is tosgpodcast@gmail.com uh because what like like we keep saying i think in every episode one of the benefits of doing this remotely is that we can sort of get people online and record this podcast so we don't really need to worry about logistics in that sense and now we go on to the most awaited and our favorite part of the segment which is over smart women in history oh i mean after what we did today i i don't know if this Aww. is the favorite segment Aww. anymore i think it's been dethroned uh thanks pratiksha uh but i uh, i <laughs> no no i mean that in the nicest way possible i'm thrilled that it's been overthrown uh but speaking of overthrown i thought we would we would go slightly uh, back in history today hmm. i thought we'd take it say to the 13th century which is quite a while ago and uh, talk about somebody who i think probably with everything that was going around at her uh, during her lifetime i feel like uh, she's probably if she's <laughs> you know she somehow got access to our podcast she probably relates very hard to what we talked about and the person i'm talking about today is uh, razia sultan and i'm sure like you are delhiite so you know Actually, no wait, ah, Shivani. Uh, before uh, Pratiksha and I are Delhiites, we are also big film fans. So we know Razia Sultan from Hema, <laughs> from yeah, Hema yeah, Malini's okay, film. Hema okay. Malini. I want to, I want to clarify. When I was in school, I did read about <laughs> Razia Sultan in third grade yeah, before you know. I saw the movie. I saw the movie because I was like, this is in my history book. So if I don't have to read the book, I can just watch the movie. Bad, bad idea, guys. But still. but be honest, ah, Pratiksha, when when someone says Razia Sultan, what is the first thing you think of? Oh. I do think of him Amalni as well. See, fine. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I would too had I watched the movie. I did read about it, and now suddenly in my head it's him Amalni. Yeah. So Razia Sultan was a sultan, right. and uh, the thing is, a lot of people, uh, and I don't know why they do this. I think it's partly because they're trying to be accurate. So a lot of people call her Razia Sultana. and sultana is not really the right word because sultana translates to the wife of right. the sultan and that's not what razia was she was a sultan in her own right so the slave dynasty was quite a powerful dynasty in its time and razia was the only female sultan right. that it had her father declared that uh, he wanted her to succeed him 
because apparently his older son who was supposed to be the sultan died and then the other guys around him were no good like so she so question she came onto the throne because her father sort of bequeathed so, the throne to her here's the fun thing now and this is what i love about history which is that historians uh, or people who were writing say all these centuries ago there's no way of validating or invalidating them with 100% accuracy so they could depending on who they were writing for and who was publishing their writings they could say any number of things and uh, right. no one would question them so that's why a lot of sultans have sort of they've been glorified in history because they were paying for the writing which is a, a good parallel to draw with what's happening now uh, so the thing is lots of people will tell you that uh, uh, her father iltutmish is the person who brought her to the throne uh, but we don't know it could also just be that she took over the thing with razia is whatever she did like even if she did do that the point is that once she became sultan she was not very popular there were lots of people who wanted her out and for a lot of them it was largely because she was a woman and they'd never had a woman sultan before and uh, what's really interesting to me about razia is that there's a journey there where they say that initially when she came to the throne all the coins that were minted in her name so the commemorative coins they initially said daughter of iltutmish and not her name even though she had a name and then slowly like she started uh, pushing those boundaries and those coins started bearing her name the same way initially she was in parda so parda is where you have to cover yourself uh, and it's a whole hmm. sort of practice of modesty uh, and slowly she moved away from that and became uh, you know she started dressing like any other sultan before her in war outfits and sort of more masculine clothes and i think that's that's a very interesting right. journey unfortunately she didn't stay sultan for very long she was very competent from what we know she did a lot she set up a lot of libraries uh, created a lot of trade posts and generally she was very competent and according to the iltutmish story the reason she got the throne is because he was so impressed by how she'd administered delhi when he had been away on his campaigns that's why he gave her the uh, the gaddi but uh, you know we'll never know which is the sort of the sad beauty of it yeah. uh, we never know what the truth was <laughs> but this is why um, yeah. i still think she is great and uh, Fun fact: If you want to go find her, she is buried in Delhi. She is buried in an area near Turkman Gate, uh, and it's a it's a very small, non-assuming, unassuming grave in a labyrinth. So, first of all, if you don't get lost and you make it there, congratulations! And it's a really nice spot. I'll I'll uh, let you right. find it and make those uh, assumptions about it. Yeah. But yeah, Razia, this week, Manvi, is this a weekend plan? <laughs> Listen, yeah. Do we want to go looking before for the Razia? pandemic? I would have said yes. Now, though, my weekend plans are solely sitting at home, and I allow myself like a after. few walks, like a few walks, or maybe to the neighborhood market. But apart from that, I'm just staying. <laughs> But one joke I wanted to crack, Shivani, is that uh, the grave is also non-assuming about whether Razia was a smartass or whether she was a conniving politician. <laughs> It's fine. It's you can edit this It's joke true. out if no, you no, don't like it. That's good. There's a lot of other things that are unknown about her, but I will uh, maybe we'll go into that once we start our Instagram account, Manvi, and I can do like a Razia yeah. special on there. And that reminds us. Uh, so that ba- basically that brings us to uh, the end of the podcast. We are now starting an Instagram uh, account also for this podcast, so you can follow us there for regular updates. Otherwise, Pochiwani and I are there on Instagram every any time you want to give a hi. 
Pratiksha is also on Instagram, so keep a lookout for her handle. You can always follow her for all kinds of uh, interesting tidbits as well as conversations on mental health. I know she keeps doing a lot of interesting workshops over the weekends that you should, you can be interested in if you want to go up for that. So that's it from us this week. See you next week, hopefully with another very oversmart woman and hopefully with another very oversmart topic. Again, it's editing Shivani. Just patching in to say that we finally have an Instagram. Our Instagram is at the Oversmart Girls Podcast. That's it. Super easy. No abbreviations. No acronyms. Speaking of abbreviations, if you want to email us, our email ID is tosgpodcast at gmail dot com. That's it. That's all I have for you today, and I'll see you next time. Bye.